You are now tuned in. Tune in to the Spectators, Spectators Podcast. What is happening, you guys? Welcome back to the Spectators Podcast. I'm Packy, and this is episode 116. I hope you all had a great weekend and an excellent Monday. This is the last pod before Christmas. Next week, I think Glow and I are going to sit down and, and shoot the shit on the pod. Talk about 2020, the craziest year of all time. Not really, but maybe of our lifetimes. And other randomness. I haven't decided if it's going to be for the Tuesday pod necessarily or not. We have some things going on. Um, or if it's going to be something separate for the new year. But that'll happen next week regardless um, for kind of an end of the year thing like we've done before so if you guys have anything you want us to talk about any questions holler at us on the socials um yeah subscribe to the spectators podcast on apple podcasts or follow on spotify if you want to go the extra mile leave a five-star review thank you to all the loyal listeners and let's pod you are now tuned in to the spectators podcast all right, we're going to jump all over the place today, guys, in no particular order. Um, first of all, Jack Harlow, album is fire. Lots of people ask me to talk about different songs and, and projects on here, and I understand why. Um, obviously, I'm in that world, but honestly, as an artist myself, I really don't have a lot of interest in critiquing other artists' work. Every once in a while, something in particular will interest me enough to do it, but all I ever really want to do is talk about how incredible something is, if it's incredible, and if it's not, I just don't really want to talk about it. Um, it's art. It's not something that has to be functional. Like, if I buy a chair and it's lopsided or it's got spikes on it or something, yeah, I'm going to talk about how shitty your chair is because it's objectively shitty. And I do think there are aspects of, of music that can be objectively shitty, a, a bad mix, bad lyrics, things like that. But overall, if somebody's a good artist, which I like to think all the people I listen to and would want to talk about on here are good artists, they're probably not going to make an objectively bad project. Um Jack Jack Harlow's album is 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 good to me. It's cool to me. Didn't didn't knock my socks off. Not gonna like go down as as a classic or anything for me. But it's a it's a good listen for sure. And I think it's great that he has a full length studio album out there now. He's got a lot of music as a young artist. Um, but it's good to have that full body of work for people to discover him and get to know who he is as an artist. I think that's important even in the age of microwave music and singles and quantity. Having that body of work for people to attach themselves to is important, and he has that now, so that's cool. Congrats to him. Um, I said we're going to jump all over the place today. I just wrote down some random things that pretty much popped popped up on Twitter and, and whatnot that, I, <laughs> that caught my eye today. Um, a Chicago chef, Stephanie Izzard, I believe is how you pronounce it. Can't say for sure. Um, apologizes after culturally appropriating a Korean dish on Instagram. Here's her here's her Instagram post. I'll just I'll just play the audio for you guys. Oops. Oh shit. All right, here we go. Oh, I got it on mute. God. 
a Japanese beef rice bowl um, and a Korean bibimbap, which has a little bit of pickled veggies and such, putting those together, taking some beautiful New Zealand New York strip steak, putting a delicious marinade on it, making some quick pickles, having a little bok choy and mushrooms to kind of round it all out, making this super tasty, light, full of flavor dish. All right, I just want to play it so you guys know what's being talked about. This is the Instagram clip. It's just a chef talking about a recipe. Pretty generic shit. Cultural appropriation in food. This is something, unfortunately, I actually see a lot. And in, in obviously, cultural appropriation in general is a hot topic right now. Um, it, This is coming from, from somebody who... Like, I don't know. Let me give you, for example, pizza with barbecue sauce and chicken. All right. In my opinion, you're ruining a perfectly good delicacy. You know, pizza sauce, cheese, throw some pepperoni, sausage, or bacon on there, some veggies if you want, mushrooms. That's a pizza pie. But I'm also aware of people that enjoy a barbecue chicken piece of bread shaped like a triangle with cheese on top. And if they want to call it barbecue chicken pizza, then so be it. All right. People are up in arms about um, this recipe. And I think it was mainly one guy, um, another chef commented and it was upset that essentially um, I think it's called bibimbap. I'm not, I'm not sure how to pronounce it. The Korean dish that she mentioned in there that she drew inspiration from and utilized. He he's making the claim that it's not that and she shouldn't use that name and she doesn't know what she's talking about. So that's why I use like the pizza example. I mean tacos, dude. I, I'm I'm pretty sure traditional Mexican tacos come with you know your choice of meat, cilantro and onions. And then in America we generally have our, our cheese, tomatoes lettuce, maybe sour cream, more like Tex-Mex style, but they're all tacos and we can all make and eat whatever the hell we like. Like how can food offend you? Now I get if somebody was serving, you know, chocolate chip cookies and, and calling them hamburgers, you know, you can, you can say something like, Hey bro, those aren't hamburgers. Those are cookies, bro. I mean, that's a whole different category of food, but we make burgers nowadays without actual meat, and they're still called burgers. And aren't good chefs supposed to tweak recipes and such and experiment with flavors and draw inspiration from places? Fusion restaurants are super popular right now. Like, hey, traditionally this recipe calls for a little bit of dog shit, but I've found that my customers actually prefer a pinch of salt, so I'm going to do that. It's just like any business. Like, you make something good, and if it's good, people will come. Um, but, like, in that scenario, Twitter is going to be like, no, there's a long-standing tradition of putting dog shit in this dish. How dare you put salt in instead? Like, if you read this article, too, it's, it's, it's what you'd expect. Like, one of the quotes in there is, a white chef can be seen as a capitalist, making money off a culture without investing the time to understand the source of their inspiration. So? Like, this is the bigger picture I want to talk about in this scenario. It isn't the actual, like, food example. It's the whole 
cultural appropriation theme that gets thrown around on Twitter. And most of the time it's maybe not most of the time, lots of the time it's some bullshit. Is it possibly cooler if they invest that time to understand the culture that the dish is inspired by? Sure. Should it actually matter? Can they not do that? Of course it, 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 it doesn't really matter. And that's something that bugs me a lot. Um, about a lot of like gatekeepers or just plain old heads in music. All right. People get way too deep into this stuff. Is it dope if a new artist has a rich understanding of the origins of some of the sounds he or she is, is using, um, artists that came before them? Yeah, it's dope. Do they have to? No. Do I really care at the end of the day? No. Do you make good music? Do you make good food? Are you not a prick? You know, there's a massive difference between somebody that is literally trying to like mooch off a culture or a wave or another artist's work or a movement or anything like that. And somebody who's drawing inspiration from it with no ulterior motives other than making something good, cool, etc. And that includes making a buck. If you want to make a buck and see a way to make a buck without hurting other people, go make a buck. If a Korean opens up a pizza shop and sells pizzas with Skittles and mayonnaise and calls it pizza, yeah, I'm going to say that sounds disgusting. But I'm not going to say, do you even understand the origins of pizza? What a slap in the face to Italians. Especially if people like the dish. And this Korean pizza shop owner has a business making money on these Skittle mayonnaise pizzas. Just shut up and let them live. Pretty much everything has some type of creator, discoverer, inventor. Everything in the world. Like, who decides what is available to everyone and what can't be appropriated? That's one of my biggest issues with this. We all drive cars, we ride bikes, we watch TV, we use the internet, phones, we wear clothes, we play sports. And obviously that list goes on and on with everything. When you pick up a basketball, do you have to be sure to pay homage to James Naismith? His parents were, were uh, Scottish immigrants. Are we appropriating the culture of Scotland when we who are not Scottish, play basketball? When he invented it, he had 13 rules. The NBA rule book has at least 50 pages now. How can we even call it basketball? This conversation sounds insane, right? But why do we do it with other things then? Can you only culturally appropriate something if you're white? And the other person is a person of color? Honest question. If so, that's, that's really dumb. And I have no idea who this chef is, by the way. It really shouldn't matter. Maybe she's awful and nobody likes her for many reasons. I don't know. But this specific scenario is dumb. Let people make what they want to make. If you want to leave a critique and say, you actually shouldn't call it bibimbap because you changed it to, uh, so you changed it so much that it's not that anymore. Fine. I don't know anything about it. Maybe you're right. You can have that critique. But like I said, then you start going down a road of 
barbecue chicken pizza isn't pizza. Tacos with the wrong ingredients aren't tacos. Hamburgers with the wrong things aren't ham. Like, I mean, and maybe this is what people want. Maybe that's the point. I don't know. I'm just more like live and let live, man. It's weird. Anyway, I know that's a super random story, but just something that I, I saw on the socials and I was like, yo, I see this, this type of thing way too often, you know? And I think we all do on, on social media because there's so many people out there that are looking for, looking for things to call out. And it's like, yo, I just, the reason I want to talk about it is because I, I like to come to people's defense that like, not that it's important, not that they fucking care what I say, but that like she goes on her Instagram and posts a recipe, you know, Hey, here's this dish I came up with. Here's how I made it. And people want to like kill her. That's just ridiculous to me. And she had to issue an apology. It's stupid. All right. I said we were going to be random today from Chicago restaurant tours to Tiger Woods and Charlie Woods. Over the weekend, golf fans were enthralled with the Tiger Woods, Charlie Woods scramble at the PNC father son event. Tiger's son, Charlie is 11 years old and he's really good at golf. Personally, I love to see it. Brings, brings me joy to see it. You could tell the kid was having the time of his life. Uh, he loved playing with Justin Thomas and his dad. And you could just see how much fun it was for everybody. How, how proud and happy Tiger was. Just a cool event overall, having the father-son pairings out there. Justin Thomas and his dad won it, and his dad is the one that taught him the game, was his coach and everything. It's just, it's really cool to see those type of things come full circle. Um, and then you get some people who are, like, too into watching this 11-year-old play golf, like, super mad because the first few holes weren't going to be televised. Like, relax. This isn't the Masters. You'll survive. It's an 11-year-old kid that's, that's good at golf that you're probably going to watch for the next 40 years. And we live in the age of the internet where you'll get to see pretty much everything anyway. Um, but, yeah, just wanted to say that's, that's a cool event. I hope they keep doing that. Um, and it's one of the cool things about golf in general. You know, you can have a, an 11-year-old kid, and granted, he's not playing from the same tees, as the pros, but he's playing from pretty legit tees, more like not uh not distances your typical eleven year old should be able to play from. But he can go out there and play golf with his dad, who I don't know how old Tiger is now, but he's in his forties, I believe. Let me double check that so I don't sound stupid. Tiger Woods age forty four. Um, so you got an 11 year old kid and a 44 year old playing like competitive golf and being able to hit good shots together and have fun. Like you don't get that in a ton of sports. Like try playing hoop with an 11 year old kid. Like if you try, you're going to dominate him. Even if you're just average fat ass dad that sits on the couch all day, like this is the best golfer of all time, arguably, but it's just cool to be able to play the game that that late into your life. Like Tiger will be able to play golf with his son when he's 70. And it's just a cool thing about this sport. Justin Thomas's dad was balling. I don't know how old he is, but um, it's, 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 it's one of the reasons I, I really like golf. And the older I get, the more into it I am 
and, and further away from like basketball, football, all that stuff, as far as doing it myself. Um, we'll stay in sports here. Kyrie Irving, his latest thing is saging the court before the game. All right. I'm not a Kyrie guy. And it's not because he thought the earth was flat. That's just one of many things. I actually, like, there's a part of me that that likes when people try to learn things themselves instead of just taking others' word for it. So if Kyrie one day was like, hey, people told me the earth is, is round, but how do I, is a globe, but how do I really know? And then he went and researched it for himself. I think that's cool. I don't have a problem with that. When you do that, you're, you're bound to make some mistakes and look foolish here and there. That's how we truly learn, honestly, not just by somebody saying, hey, the earth isn't flat, and you memorize that sentence, you know? My thing is, and I'm using the flat earth thing as an example, Kyrie comes across to me as a guy that carries himself as if he's the wisest, deepest, smartest person in the room. He referred to the media as pawns the other day. The basketball media. We're not talking about politics here. We're talking about the people that are asking you basketball questions. He says all this vague stuff about art and ownership like he just got done listening to the JBP, but tries to relate it to his career in a way that doesn't make any sense to me. My problem with Kyrie isn't that he doesn't have things figured out, um, and it isn't that necessarily that he talks like the the second coming of Aristotle. It's not that alone. My problem is that these two things cross paths with Kyrie way too often. Talking like Aristotle about things you aren't knowledgeable about. And he does this and then he always blames the media afterward. And you guys know I generally hate the media. I think it's all about clicks now. Media personalities have to engage in clickbait to at least a certain extent to make their bosses happy and boost the numbers. But that's bad media. But when you say things and you're quoted word for word by the media, it's not the media's fault. It's your fault. Like, I respect people like Kawhi, for example. If you hate how the media portrays things in 2020, you just want to live your life in peace, but you're in the NBA and you're a dope player, be like Kawhi. Stay off the socials. Be a boring interview. Answer basketball questions with basketball answers. Answer entertainment questions with one-word answers. Media will get bored with you quickly and you won't be the center of attention. So like the saging. Do I have a problem with him saging the court before the game? I really don't give a shit. Why should I care? But don't do that and then tell me you don't want media attention. They're always looking for something. They're always out to get me. That's what I'm saying. Um, I don't want to get through this pod without touching on this. And I know it's all over the place now. And, and sometimes I like for the pod and things I talk about to be an escape from the, the just things you see every single day. But, um, I'd be remiss if I didn't touch on the situation with small businesses right now. That's, and it's been going on all year, but it's coming to a head right now. Um, the shit that's happening to small business in, in many areas of the country, including Michigan, it makes me sick, man. And 
forget the left and right politics of it all, whether you're on the side of opening things up or locking things down. We can have that debate. But one thing we should all agree on is that if you force a business to shut down at no fault of their own, like you literally just tell them, you are not allowed to open your business, then you also have to help them get through that time that they're not allowed to be open. And it's becoming clear to me that our government and leaders are just letting us down, man. And it's really sad for me to see. And I'm, I'm just, sometimes I am, but right now I'm not in the mood for the shutdown versus open up conversation. If you guys listen every week, you probably have a decent idea, you know, where I stand on that. I just feel like everybody should be on board with the fact that whatever strategy you go with, because there's legitimate, you know, there's legitimate arguments on both sides. Whatever strategy you go with, there has to be a plan. There has to be a good plan. Because you're playing with people's livelihoods based on lots of arbitrary information and unknowns. And unfortunately, it's becoming clear that lot, many of our leaders in government don't have good plans and are content to play the politics game while people suffer. And I know that's a, just a phrase we hear all the time that goes in one, one ear and out the other, but it's, it's real. I literally just read a headline that says, the COVID-19 stimulus bill would make illegal streaming a felony. Well, thank God, you know, virus be gone. Like, is this straight out of the onion? It literally reads like a comedy headline, but it's not. It's the, it's the world we're living in. And I think, unfortunately, a lot of our elected leaders and celebrities who speak for us live in a very different world than the rest of us. It's, it's talking points and it's not actual concern and understanding for what's going on on the ground. And in a separate bill passed around the same time, we're sending just billions of dollars to other countries and things like that. And it's just like, I I don't pretend to know all the intricacies of the reasons why we're sending money to different countries and stuff. But I do know it really feels like a slap in the face to tell Americans, Hey, we're sending you $600 each. And then we're going to send these billions of dollars to these other countries. Like what? People are dying. People are struggling. People are losing their livelihoods. And you can come up with $600 for us at the end of the year. And like I said, it's not the $600 in a vacuum. It's you got money for this. You got money for that. You know, I understand money doesn't grow on trees. But it's it goes back to what I said. Regardless of the debate on open the economy, shut it down, regardless of all that, where's the plan? Because what's going on right now is shit. I don't know, man. I just wanted to add my two cents to the mix because it really does make me sick. And Glow and I, we've been trying to give our business to small businesses the best we can. It's It's just so trash that the biggest, wealthiest companies are getting all the business now because they're essentially the only ones that are allowed to stay open and and they have all these resources and government officials are just essentially picking and choosing businesses that get to stay open and businesses that are quote-unquote essential. It's It's pretty crazy. And then government officials go on TV and blame the other side and 
talk about how people are dying and losing their businesses and and the other side is playing politics and they're the ones that refuse to get a deal done. Meanwhile, there's there's shit like like that stuff I mentioned about streaming in the bill. For what? It just it just irks me. But man, I, I know it doesn't feel like much, but just when you can Give some business to your local mom and pop shop or your favorite local business. Buy a gift card, order some food, whatever. I, I know it feels like small potatoes, but trust me, they they need every dollar they can get right now, and and they're appreciative of of our business. Um, that's about it, guys. The NBA is tipping off tonight. Um, I'm looking forward to the season. I say tonight. I'm recording this Monday, but when you listen to it, it'll be tonight. Hopefully, COVID doesn't doesn't wreak too much havoc on the season. If I got to make a prediction, I'm going to go Lakers Nets in the finals, barring any major injuries, obviously. And I'll take the Nets to win it all. Word to my favorite player, Kyrie. NFL playoffs will soon be upon us. Can't believe the Rams lost to the Jets. Embarrassing. Carson Wentz's career as a starter might be over. The Eagles might be a playoff team if they had benched him sooner. Jalen Hurts looks really good. Only a two-game sample size, but... I think it's safe to say he 100% gives this team a better chance to win ballgames. I am recording this Monday night, like I said, right before, a few hours before uh, kickoff of the Monday night game. So the results will be in when you're listening, but I have some big action on the game tonight. I'll spare you all the details of what's going on, but long story short, I need Drew Sample to get eight points or less tonight, PPR, and T. Higgins to get 18 points or less tonight. And I'll have a nice little payout with potential for more um, on only a $20 bet, but it was season long. It's it's a tournament, and I'd be advancing to the finals. So when you're listening, I'll either be hype or I will be heartbroken because it will have already happened. But I'd say wish me luck, but shit, it's too late. Glow wants to come on the pod for the new year. Like I said, have a little end of the year pod. She wants to touch the people. So holler at us on the socials, like I said, and let us know what you want to hear about for the end of the year pod. Other than that, I hope you all have a Merry Christmas. I know I use this podcast a lot to vent about shit that bugs me and stuff that comes across my feeds. And um, I'm glad that so many of you resonate with my opinions. Um, At the end of the day, that's as much as I think my opinions are 100% facts. That's all they are is my opinions. And and I'm appreciative of the people that tune in to hear it every week. Um, So, yeah, Merry Christmas, all you guys. I hope it's a good one. Um, Make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow on Spotify so you get the pod in your library right away. Holler at me at Packy Raps on Twitter. Let me know your thoughts. And I will talk to you guys next Tuesday. I'm a company man. I do it all for the brand. I give my blood to the job and I give my love to the fans. Really spec for the jump. Never no check in advance. And at the end of the month, I earn a check in my hand.